I don't know if you've had this experience when you've been chatting with somebody and you've been, I don't know, uh, maybe at some sort of type of social event and you've been talking away. Uh, maybe there's been Christmas cakes being passed around or mince pies or mulled wine and just in the background of your conversation you can hear Christmas songs that are being sang, all the classics and all of this is going on and then somebody will say to you, I don't know what it is, I just don't feel Christmassy yet. Have you heard this? Has anybody here ever uttered that phrase, I'm just not feeling Christmassy yet? I don't know if bursting your lungs to sing a holy night helped you with that uh, or not, but it's true, isn't it? We say that so much uh, this time of year. I, I wonder what people want. I wonder what people mean. You know, do they want Mr. and Mrs. Christmas, Michael Bublé and Mariah Carey to jump on the karaoke and lead a song? Or do they want kind of crackers with, with every meal and those awful jokes uh, every time they, they sit down? Do they want Cliff Richard on their answer phone? I don't know what it is. But we're all looking for something, aren't we? What is that Christmassy feeling? Is it that full feeling that you get when you're tucking into a plate of cheese after a massive midday meal? Although I don't know if I'll have any of that this year. I may have been, I may have been put off that for life. Is it, was it a bad dream? It felt like a bad dream. Is it that feeling when you get together with family? You get to be yourself, those people who know you and that you know. Is it that feeling for others of exhaustion? Is it that time of year when your kids actually text you Amazon links for presents that they want for Christmas? Or perhaps that's just me. What, what is this Christmassy feeling that we're all looking for? It's a familiar feeling, isn't it? It's hard to pin down, but we recognize it when we feel it. Ah, there you go. Suddenly, this magical feeling washes over me, and now I feel Christmassy, but sometimes it can go just as quick as it comes. The trouble is, if we don't know what we're looking for, we, we don't know where to start. I was reading uh, an article recently about a huge department store. Uh, I've got advice to give to their staff now. If they see blokes wandering around, desperately trying to look for a gift uh, for somebody, usually uh, quite close to the deadline, sometimes on Christmas Eve, their advice is now, don't ask them what are they looking for, because they don't know what they're looking for. You've got to ask them who are they looking for, and you take them to the, the relevant section. Do we know what it is that we're looking for? Do we know what it is that we want? And the truth is, that extends far beyond Christmas, doesn't it? Sometimes we find ourselves in life thinking, I thought this is what I wanted. I thought this is where I wanted to be. I thought this is what I wanted to have. There was a feeling I thought I'd own at this point, but it seems like this magic mist that keeps moving every time I get closer to it. If we don't know what we want, either anything will do or, or nothing will do. How do you know? Since I was a kid, I've been fascinated uh, with whether you call them the three wise men or the magi or the three kings or whatever you call them. I've been fascinated with this delegation from the East, this mysterious band of uh, astronomers who've read something, seen something, and it somehow led them to Jerusalem. And they know what they're looking for. 
They've come with a very specific request. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. They've, they've noticed a change somehow in the cosmos, and that's led them to a journey that probably lasted two years of tremendous cost, a tremendous risk to come to this man called Herod, who's by all accounts from history, not a pleasant guy, to say, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? Quick history lesson. Herod was sort of a, a puppet king, really. He was installed on a throne in Jerusalem, but he had no kind of major political clout. His, his role there was just to appease the Jewish people. And they thought if we give someone a title and a position and certain responsibilities, that'll keep them happy while Rome kind of reigns over them. And part of this process was working out, well, what do you call somebody like that? And so suddenly they came up with this title for Herod, King of the Jews. This title doesn't exist before Herod. It's just something we've got, got to call him something. So you can kind of understand when people come and say to this guy, where's the one who's been born to be king of the Jews? Well, that would bother him. Why, he'd have something to say about that. Why, he'd be concerned about that. In fact, Matthew tells us his reaction. King Herod heard this. He was disturbed. Literally means he was, he was shaken by, agitated by it, and all Jerusalem with him. When you've got a king like Herod, it's bad news when he's in a bad mood. And this, mood, this news puts Herod in, in a bad mood. Now, I know in the 21st century, we will find it unbelievable that somebody in political office will say something and mean something else. But there was a day when that happened. This was Herod's plan. He said, tell me where he is. Go find him and then come back to me because I want to worship him as well. But in his heart, he's got other plans. He's got other things on his mind. Plans that he will put into action, but just too late for Jesus. Yeah. So he's disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And the Magi go off to Bethlehem to find the one who's been born king of the Jews. And there's these two different reactions to this story. It says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And it's kind of fascinating to me that here in little Bethlehem, in this kind of nowhere place where one baby has been born, there's not just joy, they're overjoyed. And 20-odd miles up the road in Jerusalem, where there's wealth and power and status and work and education, all kinds of things, entertainment going on, they're disturbed. It's interesting, isn't it? That they've got everything going on there that you would think would bring them joy, but it's kind of wobbly, it's kind of shaken so easily. But where Jesus is... There's joy. And in a way that I can't fully understand except to know who he is, that's true today. That where Jesus is, there's joy. And yes, in Bethlehem, there's questions, there's struggle, there's heartache, there's difficulty, there's burdens, there's questions, but there's Jesus. And in the midst of all that, there's joy. 
Every year uh, here at um, Bessel, we hire a professional theatre company to, co thank you, to come and share their production. But we couldn't afford them this year, so Tim and I uh, put on a show called Return to Narnia. Uh, I played a, um, a young man called Lewis, uh, and his brother Chris, we go into the, the wardrobe. I also played a dwarf, naturally. That was, uh, that was my other, other role uh, in the play. Uh, Tim was very excited when he knew we were going to be putting on uh, this production. Uh, he was like that for weeks, absolutely weeks. Uh, and it was great to kind of visit that magical world and to try and recreate some of the magic of Narnia and those characters and those themes and, and that story. What was really weird was when we were packing it all away again and taking the lion's head off and taking all the set down and packing it all away, was how quickly it felt like things went back to normal. When we'd finished packing up, Tim and I said to each other, it's like we've never been here, it's really odd. In the Narnia stories, when the children come back from Narnia into the, the real world, no time has passed at all. Sometimes Christmas can feel like that, can't it? We plan for it, we prepare for it, we look forward to it. Cram so much into such a short space of time and then life gets back to normal very, very quickly. What's interesting to me is that these magi are, are warned in a dream by Herod's true heart, his true intentions. Don't go back to Herod, go a different way. So they went home a different route. There's something about seeing Jesus for who he really is that means life cannot go back to the way it was before. And maybe this Christmas you need another route. You need another road. You've been down these roads before, you know where they go. You need another option, another way. You need somebody who can lead you out of patterns of regret and shame and guilt. Someone who can lead you into, through situations where you've been confused and lost. Someone who can heal you of, of broken places inside you. They really should have known there in Jerusalem when the wise men asked, where's the one who's going to be the king of the Jews going to be born? They went back in their scriptures and they found these verses. They told them to go to Bethlehem, the land of Judah, by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And that's the tremendous promise of Christmas, is that we have one who has come to shepherd us, to guide us, to care for us, to protect us, to provide for us. Another route, another way. Perhaps you'll pray with me for just a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that where you are, there's joy. And in the midst of the struggles and the confusion and the brokenness and the questions, nevertheless, you bring joy. You bring wonder. You bring hope. And so, Lord, our simple prayer this Christmas is that you might shepherd us. You might lead us where we're needing to be guided, would you guide us? Where we need to be guarded, would you guard us? Where we're lost, would you lead us? Lord, would you shepherd us, we pray, and lead us. In Jesus' name, amen.